Hello, 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 and welcome to a new episode of Oral Fixation. My name is Andy, and joining Drew and I for our first of two very special Drag Race episodes is Sydney's own Maxie Shield, off of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Maxie's orally fixating album is the Immaculate Collection by, you guessed it, Madonna, which was released in 1990 on Warner Records. Any and all audio samples you hear in this episode are entirely for the purposes of review and critique. It's Drag Race, it's Madonna, it's oral fixation. Strap on your breastplate and let's get to it. Great. Okay. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Um... <laughs> to all of our listeners and what a treat we have as we come to the finish line of cycle seven. Uh, long-time listeners um, have our slash my psychotic obsession with Madame X seared into their consciousnesses. But I can <laughs> swear on my life that I did not in any way influence the album of Focus for this fortnight's episode. This this album was definitely selected by the guest. Um, joining Drew and I in her own lockdown is Sydney's queen of drag, an iconic star of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, and most critical to this discussion, Sydney's very own unapologetic bitch. It's Maxie Shield, everyone. Hello, boys. Hello, everyone. Hi, Maxie. How are you? <laughs> no, I do have to say, no, I have to say, uh, I'm going to say, Sid, uh, a Oh, the world's last official apologetic bitch because Courtney got on stage and Courtney lives in Sydney now. Oh, right. Bloody Courtney. Yeah. Was she at the Melbourne shows? She was in the Melbourne show, yeah. So I think for that those was the first one. Right. For those of us who aren't across the concept <laughs> of the... Is it unapologetic bitch or apologetic bitch? Unapolo- Un- unapologetic. Unapologetic. So um, why don't you why don't you explain what the the concept of an unapologetic bitch was <laughs> during this specific moment in time? So it was when Madonna came here for the um, uh, Rebel Heart tour at the end of the sh- well, it wasn't it was the second last number that she performed was Unapologetic Bitch, which is a, a song uh, which basically <laughs> is you know I am who I am. And that's it. I'm not going to make any sort of apology. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, and she would invite someone from the audience to jump on stage, have a bit of a dance. And we actually did a bit of a, a shot out of a Diamonte um, banana, banana hip flask. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, it, in the likes of, uh, I think, who was it? was Courtney Act. Um, we. Like Jean-Paul Gaultier, Katy Perry, uh, this, you know, and me. Gwendolyn yeah, Christie. You, you are among some a, a pretty a pretty high standard of uh, calibre there, Maxie. And as I understand it, in fact, as I know it, your Instagram bio uh, prioritises the fact that you were Madonna's unapologetic bitch over your performance, your appearance in Drag Race Down Under. Quite rightly. I grew Quite up rightly. with Madonna. I grew up with Madonna. She was like, she was so strong. And, you know, my, my, my high school years were the big albums that came out, yeah. you know, and, and it mm. sort of, 
I've always been gay. If if I came out as straight, my parents would have went, really? Are you sure? <laughs> Do you really think that? Um, <laughs> so I had this strong woman that oozed sexuality and, and was glamorous and was fantastic, releasing all these this pop music and sort of, you know, that's why it's like Madonna first, then Drag Race second. I'm- Absolutely. To what extent has Madonna informed your um your the de- the development of who maxi shield is i think it's, it's definitely she's like i've always loved madonna songs you know it's always one of those so- those things that always uh comes on uh when you're feeling a bit down or you know you you always got a madonna song in the mix at some point Amen. um as i getting older you know, I'm 47 this year and, you know, in drag terms, I'm the old one. I'm the seasoned chook. So, you know, you see someone that's 60-something that is absolutely fabulous, you know, boobs, glamorous, and, and every time someone says you can't do something, she says, well, fuck you, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. You know, it's given me such a, such a drive. Um, you know, in the gay, in the gay scene, over 40... You know, you, you're like, oh, as soon as I say 47, every single person will say 21. No, 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 21. And I was like, I would hate to be 21. My <laughs> 40s have been incredible. My 40s have been fantastic. Yeah. Don't turn back. Maxie, I was I was actually listening to a really interesting uh, podcast episode yesterday by Willem and Alaska. They've done this, like, short series um, on, the Amer- on the history of, like, the Amer- American pageant series. You know, that huge series of pageants that have been going since the 70s. That was obviously the way that drag queens competed before Drag Race. Um, and it's so interesting because each episode they do a deep dive into a different one because they're actually all quite different with their own different rules and regulations. And there was a queen speaking in one um, yesterday. I'm sorry that I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but... She won one of these um, pageants back in the late 70s and she's still doing drag now. And she was saying that a lot of older queens in the US um, don't even bother with drag race because they assume or believe that um, because it's targeted at such a younger audience and the majority of queens are younger, that there's no space for them and they can't see themselves reflected in the show. Um, So they just don't even bother. But that means that they miss out on a lot of the good of the show as well. She was kind of acknowledging that. And then she finished up with, um, I've never um, applied for Drag Race before. I've never auditioned, but I'm going to audition for the next season because I want them to see an older queen on the show and not just be the old queen, but be like, but win it. And, and win it because I'm so experienced and I've got these decades of experience behind me. And I just thought that was fucking fierce. I also went on to Drag Race going you know what I probably have the most experience out of everyone here but I'm mm-hmm. I'm the most eager to learn from everyone yeah which you'll <laughs> find that a lot of the season queens will be they're like you know mm-hmm. what I you know I started in in 1997 you know and oh well I was born in 2000 oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god but I must say Maxie it was such a um a, a delight. Obviously, this conversation will revolve a lot around Madonna, but I think the fact that, you know, you've recently um, come off of Drag Race and Under will, will come up a little bit. And as quite seasoned fans of all franchises of Drag Race, um, Andy and I, um, for us, it was really, really great to to see you on Drag Race 
as someone, yes, that is is sort of quote unquote older than than the rest of the um, than the cast. But in the past, when there have been older queen, older queens on the American um, version of the show, that's often been the kind of like the storyline, or there's been like a, the the sort of the way it's been perceived or the way it's come across is that they might be sort of a little bit kind of set in their ways and um and uh I don't know in some way perhaps resentful of those younger queens whereas you came in with your both arms wide open and and sort of completely um you know owned your experience but also made it really clear that you were there to learn and that you you didn't know at all and that was so refreshing as a viewer to, especially as someone who is, we, Andy and I are both from the UK, but have lived in Australia for a long time. And it made me feel really, really proud that that was the kind of the Australian drag um, kind of approach that was being represented on the show. And specifically, I guess, the Sydney approach, the the relationship between you and Coco and et cetera, et cetera, in, in, in particular, was such a lovely one because you're all such different queens, but you all had such high esteem for each other and um, and respect for each other. And it was just really, really heartwarming as a viewer to be able to see that. And it was great mm. being on, on the show with those girls as well. You know, I mind you... What, one thing I'd probably, if I if I do all-stars, you know, I will learn <laughs> from the younger girls. And, you know, there was a few things that I didn't even, like, there was other girls that had verses written for them for the song. You know, right. they had jokes written for them. They had, oh you know, God. they brought their picture, the picture in from Snatch Game so that they could copy it. And I didn't know you could do that. Right, that's some tea. And that was, like, I grew up with, you know, my my sort of era of drag is that you did it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. You didn't have someone that, that it did it for you. You did it yourself. So, you know, I went in and, you know, they said, okay, we have your verses ready and such and such. And I was like, I, <laughs> I'm not a singer. I'm not a music writer. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we going to get some help? And they're like, well, your group can help you. I was like. And like, that is fascinating because, Maxie, in the show, they kind of made it a little bit of a storyline that you were, like, struggling with your verse somewhat. But actually, it sounds like it was just because the other queens had them written for them. Well, uh, some of them had pre- pre-written, yeah. Wow, that I is know. hot tea. Those shrewd little young queens. <laughs> <laughs> well, World of Wonder, if you're listening, the it's next part of the stars. So they, you know, it's okay. They're allowed to do that. Yeah. So, Interesting. You know, all stars. Well, look, I'm having some. I'm, that's it, Jess Malboy. Where are you? <laughs> yes. All the Minogues. Get the Minogues on it. Um, international um, all stars coming soon. Now we've touched on ageism, which is a big tick. You know, we are talking about the album that we've that you've selected, Maxi, is by far Madonna's biggest selling album of all time. It's one of any solo artist's biggest selling albums of all time. We've kind of gone straight to the motherload, the source. This album was released in November 1990, firmly in the thick of um, her imperial phase. If anything, maybe kind of like a, you'll never hear from me that she went downhill after that. I think she carried going, carried on going up. But in terms of her mainstream uh, domination, this was probably the last enormous hurrah until maybe Ray of Light again, like a few years later, in my opinion. Um, and if you look at that track list, there's 17 songs. 1990 was a huge year for her because she did huge. I'm Breathless, so Dick Tracy, and she also mm-hmm. had um, uh, Blonde Ambition, which was April mm-hmm. to August, I think. 
that's mm-hmm. stretching st- stretching my old brain a little bit um vogue came out in may yeah in the 90s it was just like like 1990 was mental for someone that mm-hmm. you know really has sculpted our our pop culture and the year before 1989 um was express yourself and like a prayer so it's actually it's just mind-boggling and you can carry on going back 87 was true blue or 86 and then you go to the start of the career so from her start through to 1990 like it is just smash after smash after smash it's actually kind of exhausting so what i'd love to know maxi is like what are your memories from like that album coming out like um contemporaneously like what was it like when that album actually came out well see i was i was working at kmart down in nowra <laughs> that's that's deeply iconic <laughs> I was, the crazy thing was that i used to work in the toy department with another gay guy named graham <gasps> shout out to graham turned out, shout out to graham. Me, uh one of our fabulous indigenous performers nana miss curry <gasps> oh no yeah. You didn't know that, like, then all of a sudden, you know, I think it was about five or six years ago, he was like, what? remember me? And I was like, yes. He's like, yeah, well, I do drag now as well. And I'm like, oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? That is absolutely. That is crazy. Nana Miss Curry is a huge, huge, like, force of Indigenous drag in Australia. And the two of you met when you were in the toy department at Kmart in Nowra. The toy department. <laughs> And then, and then we worked in. I think I worked in auto, <laughs> in the Jeez. auto department. And he was working in hardware, which is hilarious. Like two gays just flapping around like chooks most of the time. I think we used to work in confectionery as well, so we'd get the bounties and eat them out the back. Yes. <laughs> so I remember it was one of the the um, the first albums that I bought myself. I. Th- think it was hum records maybe mm-hmm. in nara fair and i wow. had a are you from nara maxi i went to high school in nara yeah right okay so i had a, a cd discman and um i used to walk we used to live close to the shopping center that i worked at and i used to walk with it held like a, a like a, a serving tray like a waiter so that it didn't bump yeah, because they skip, don't they? They yes. skip really easily. Oh, they used I to remember, skip all the time. I so I remember listening to that and um and and trying to sort of gingerly walk home so that a it didn't didn't skip and b there was enough juice in the batteries that you basically had to change every couple of days if you consistently listen to anything on a, a disc. Kids, you don't know how hard you have you've, no idea how, how easy you've got you it. <laughs> listen to our elders speak about their experience (laughs) walking around holding a discman praying that it didn't jump and also trying to sort of mince along with the music really feeling your oats getting into the groove quite literally with corded Mm. headphones oh god yeah pray to god that the dog didn't chew the headphones or eat the ends off it but greatest hits compilations served a much bigger role than than they would now because now if you just want someone's greatest hits you just make a playlist on Spotify or you go, you go to the existing Spotify playlist but back then I mean this wasn't even that long ago up until quite recently a greatest hits compilation was intended for you to get the very best of the very best in one succinct place with no filler um 
and it's just pure joy. So like listening to the Immaculate Cassette collection like nonstop would just be sort of orgasmic. I transcend to a new plane. <laughs> and having the two new songs as well. So the Justify My yes. and yes. Rescue Me was just like, mm. Rescue Me was something else, really. When I heard that, mm. I was just like, A, it was longer than any of the other songs. It was like five minutes something. So, you mm. know, back then, if a song went past sort of four minutes, you're like, oh, this is a long song, isn't it? Oh, this is a bit long. Mm. So, you know, you're five, five minutes something. And um, yeah, it was just... So you had all the hits, plus you had your two newies. It was fantastic. And those two songs really ushered in that next kind of huge era of Madonna. Both of them are kind of spoken word, very, very sort of sexually charged, leading into erotica in, I guess, the, in, in 91 or 92, forgive me for not knowing the year. Yeah, two. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's such a kind of... It's been such an interesting experience for, for me, Maxie. So Andy is a huge, huge, huge Madonna fan. I love Madonna, but I don't know her like star sign, moon sign and rising sign. I only know that she's a Leo. So um, uh, when, we, when, when the, um, the, the direction came from you that we were gonna do the Immaculate Collection, it was so kind of like, it's, it's unlike any other album in the world other than I would say probably maybe Abergold in terms of like defining greatest hits albums that just are absolutely all killer, no filler. Like this is just like A plus, every single song is A plus in terms of not only the, like the, the way it's written, but also its cultural impact. And when you close your eyes and you listen to each song, you can see the visuals so clearly. And um, so it's kind of like, it's, it's overwhelming to kind of um, even begin to think about how to access a discussion about this album other than just acknowledging its, its greatness as honestly probably the, the greatest, greatest hits album of all time next to, I would say, Abergold. As mm. well as, you sort of, when you put it into context, November 1990, so that was 30 years ago. Mm. And if you play any any of those songs now, they still hold up. And whether or not you're a Madonna fan or not, if you throw any of those songs on, it always pricks your ears up and you you know it. It's always a positive mm. experience. Absolutely. And I still find myself, because my, um, my era of Madonna, my favourite era, is, is Ray of Light. Ray of Light is, is my favourite album probably of all time. Um, and then music and confessions is also a huge era for me. And these mm. are sort of, you know, quite f much further in, into the future. Probably because, and the reason that they're, they're sort of important for me is because I was kind of coming of age of that time. Um, and that those, those albums and those songs mean a lot to me because I was discovering a lot about myself. But like going back and, and listening to, um, to this album, even in the past week in preparation for this, I'm, I know I know all these songs. Like I've, li I've heard Like a Prayer so, so many times. I've heard Like a Virgin so many times, but it, it, it's a really humbling experience to, to go back and think, oh my God, like that was a, a sort of a, less than a decade, right? Or like a, a decade chunk of, of time. And she was only just getting started and it's all like solid gold 
stuff going on. So it's really like, I think that uh, to go back to the point that you made earlier, Maxi, about age, the thing that I think is so fascinating about Madonna is that ever since she was probably about 31, people have called her old. And she's mm. she has gone on to innovate and redefine what it is to be a pop star way, way past that. And that is something that I think we kind of forget. We really, really like quickly forget how instrumental Madonna has been in shifting that, like the dial in that direction to the point now where like someone like Sia is in her mid forties, but you never really talk about her age because it's she's she's an, an amazing musician that makes incredible pop music and um j-lo's yeah, just I'd... turned 50 has she not and exactly. when madonna yeah. turned when madonna turned 50 it was in like the hard candy era and every single press interview she did for hard candy the interviewer would either ask about her age or ask if she was sick about talking about her age and it was like that was every single interview in the in her 50th year and now it's just not she just she has kind of taken the brunt in cliche terms, where to let other people have a bit of an easier go. Um, and that's so interesting, Drew, that you say she has she has been called, there's that incredible newspaper cutout from when she did the Girly Show tour, which was after Blonde Ambition, where she's got these like killer abs and that short, like cropped blonde hair. And she was, I don't know, 34, 35. And the headline is like, um, calm down grandma or something. Yeah. And it's like, that was actually half her life ago that people were calling her grandma, half a life ago. Fascinating. And and rocking fitness like you mm. know she, a grandma that looks like that it's just just mental. It's it's interesting. Um, I was doing a little bit of research today, um, and one of the um, the reviews for the Immaculate Collection. Um, came from, I think it's a British journalist called Marcus Berkman, who said that the album is perfectly named as it was released at the very moment that she, she'll become no good at all. And so it includes none of the builds she's going to record since. And it's just like, fuck off. Fuck like, off. H- how, how dare you yeah. have, like, <laughs> A, be that presumptuous <laughs> about someone's career. But also, I just find the the treatment of, like, Madonna, specifically in relation to her age, but... Whenever she's done something that's particularly sort of innovative or sexual or provocative, it's always the reaction has always been stemmed in either overt or um, or um, sub subliminal uh, toxic misogyny, and um, and I think that that is why she is that unapologetic bitch because she's had to be because if she listened to all the shit that people were saying about her, she would have quit years ago but she didn't and that oh my God. and that as as a queer person you know that is something that i think i probably take a bit for granted that she's really kind of ingrained in me and informed a lot of the pop divas that i hold in high esteem that have come since she kind of really set that um set that standard strong woman this is this is a, this is probably what's what's brought me to her as well is that you know i grew up in a a huge family in close to i'm gonna say 13 brothers and sisters so i have brothers six sisters and me (gasps) half half i call myself yeah i love that (laughs) (laughs) but you know there's a lot of the the people that have sort of helped raise me are being the strong women in the family and you know a, a lot of times uh, especially sort of this era, is that, you know, 
women are getting, they've always been strong, but, you know, a lot of times if you're a strong woman, you know, you were, you were knocked down. And mm. here's Madonna, you know, saying, no, 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 you're not going to knock me down. This is me. You either come with a ride or, or fuck off, mm. which is sort of mm. just so incredible. As well as sort of the visuals impact me as well, being mm. sort of a drag queen, is this sort of this incredible, fabulous woman um, just saying, you know what, I can be sexy and if it's not for you, then it's not for you. Move along. Mm. I can be sexy and aggressive. Yes, exactly. Do you have a favourite visual era, Maxi, of Madonna's? Oh, do you know my... The, no, I like them all. I think, you know what, the the, the Gautier where she walked down with her boobs out. Yes, yes. We love that. Iconic. Just because it's like, fuck you. I knew you'd go straight to boobs, Maxi. <laughs> but I do love, you know, the most iconic... Uh, you know what, there's two. There's, uh, she did bedtime stories at the British Musical Awards. Yes, yes, yes. Long hair, which, you know, as a drag queen, you're like, how did you stick a wind machine under that bitch? I don't know how you've done that. (laughs) Had like a a pleated dress on that was- Versace. Breathtaking, just beautiful. She wore that recently, Maxi. I don't know if you know, but she she got that out a few years ago for like a, a party she went to and the fans on the internet clocked that it was the bedtime story Brit Ward's dress, exactly. Because it was just, she was just so beautiful. But then there's also yeah. the, it's a, what colour is it? It's, it's a green, but it's a um, almost an olive green long dress with a cow neck at the back in Express Yourself, and she pours the milk oh. over her shoulder, which is, oh. <laughs> with, there's no boobs in that. She's, it's all back. <laughs> it's, yeah, they're, they're it's visuals, darling. I actually just want to give a shout out to the visuals which accompanied the Immaculate Collection, because I think they were also used in the Blonde Ambition tour book, and they were all taken by Herb Ritz, who has taken some of the best photos of Madonna ever, including the, you know, the iconic True Blue jawline album cover um but he was one of madonna's gay besties and he sadly passed away of hiv related illness and it was recently his 60th birthday so i just want to give a shout out to the incredible photos for the immaculate collection taken by her brits now um i don't think there are probably two global pop culture phenomenons that we reference drew more than madonna or drag race so really Maxi is the ideal guest, and actually, if we yeah, haven't already figured that out. You in the centre of the centre of the Venn diagram of this podcast, Maxi. <laughs> I'm the kind tit of the discussion. <laughs> Speaking of her Brits, in Drag Race, uh, one of our looks was um, Born Naked and Everything's Drag. Yes. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, because I was inspired by the Madonna look from the 90s from Vogue, and she had the see-through <laughs> trench coat on. Yes. Mm. So that was, I think he took that picture as well, except I made Mm. mine out of a shower curtain. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're a crafty queen. You're you're a a resourceful queen. There's there's so much that I would love to ask you um, about both Drag Race and obviously, aforementioned. So actually, just going back to the unapologetic bitchery of it all, how did you come to be that person? Because, you know, um, as 
as a longtime hardcore fan, it was only really the Rebel Heart tour that Madonna even considered bringing guests up onto the stage. You know, before that, she was actually kind of, if if you were to pick a, a negative of her shows and set lists before that, it was because they are so structured and they're so choreographed, there's no real room for spontaneity. And the first show that I saw her do, which was the Sticky and Sweet tour, was the first tour where she actually, um, there was a section where she'd take like a request from the audience and people would hold up these signs saying like, do open your heart. And she'd be like, no, I don't know the words anymore. She'd like shoot them down. Um, but then the Rebel Heart tour, <laughs> she started getting these celebs up. And I watched the... Melbourne shows. I didn't go to the Sydney shows. Um, but I remember seeing you on Instagram and in like in the press afterwards. And I remember saying, who is that drag queen with the massive tits on stage with Madge? What's going on? So I want to know, how were you approached? Like how soon before the gig, how much notice were you given? And just what was it like being pulled up on stage with the queen? Well, Obvious choice that I was chosen. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a crazy story. It's actually a really crazy story. So I have a friend that used to work at Live Nation. So he <laughs> rang me and each time he'd ring me, I was putting a face on. And I'd always have my computer going and I'd just have my iTunes just on shuffle. So every time he'd ring me, a Madonna song had come on. And he said to me, look, we're looking at, at having a hostess for an entertainer's VIP parties. So it means that you'll be going to all the concerts they, they do in Australia, um, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, okay, let me know more details. And then he'd be like, okay, so, you know, tell me how much it cost and all this sort of stuff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So this happened about three or four times we chatted and each time a Madonna song had come on <laughs> and there was not even any rumours about it. And I said to him, I said, because I, I always pretend that I've got gypsy powers. I was like, my gypsy powers are tingling. Is this Madonna? <laughs> and it's like, I cannot confirm anything. Let's just say it's M. And I was like, <gasps> oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So anyway, we, we jumped through the hoops, blah, 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 and then it was sort of here. So I got to be the VIP hostess for all of her Australian tour. So I was down in Melbourne and she was like the tickets were the tickets were printed that the show started at 7, but it didn't. They had a DJ and all these sort of I time, <laughs> time <laughs> issues. You know, and, and when you think about it, it's taken her 23 years to get here. What's an hour or so, you know? Right. I was going to say, because I think for, for listeners that don't know, contextually, as, as you say, Maxie, it had been a really, really long time since Madonna had come to Australia. Just, yeah. So it was like, so, so we sort of entertained them. We plied them with free booze and, and what have you. They would have been cunted. <laughs> Got to go to all the concerts, which is like, as a Madonna fan, it was just like incredible. So anyway, when we went to Brisbane, there was talk that, you know, because uh, I got to meet Guy and I got to meet her assistant, uh -huh. Sarah, as well. Uh -huh. um, wow. Anyway, so there was talk that oh, in Brisbane, maybe, maybe she might get you up as the unapologetic bitch. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Anyway, 
uh, last minute they were like, oh, actually, no, we've got this young girl up, which turned out to be the girl that she pulled the corset down and her boobs fell out. <gasps> I remember. <laughs> yes. So, and t- the girl turned out to be 17, which is like, oh my God. Oh, oh God. Well, no stranger to controversy is our match. <laughs> so, anyway, so then we went to the Sydney concert and um, it got to the last concert. And uh, it was quite funny because I said to my partner, I said, I might be able to get you a spare ticket. And he's not a Madonna mm. fan. And he said, oh, Well, how am I supposed to get to Homebush? And I said, I don't care, catch a train. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm not really a fan. I'm like, oh. Oh. there are 1,700 hungry queens out there that would skin you alive for that ticket. Anyway, he was like, nah, I'm not going to go. So anyway, I went and because it was the last, well, the, the, the second last um, uh, concert that they did, I actually was front row. Of the um, wow. of the cross that she sort of had, and um, so the, then it was the last night, and my friend said, "Look, the, you're going to have a ticket in the nosebleeds, but do you still want to come?" And I was like, "You know what? I love the concert. She gives 110 percent, definitely." It was a great concert, mm. amazing concert. Fant- it was high mm. energy. You know, she danced and sang as much as every other you know young dancer that was up there, um, and then. I think it got to, it was a couple of songs before Like a Prayer and my Mm. phone had been on all day and I was sitting in a row of gays that I hadn't met before. and uh, In drag? And yeah, you're in full drag. Okay, yeah. In drag, in the nosebleed section and my friend rang me and said, I think think you're you're going to get on stage. (gasps) And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. He said, when I text you, you need to run down to the side door that we did the, the party at. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, he said, well, which which door do you have to leave? And I was like, I've got to leave from door 80. He goes, oh my God, you've got to come to door 16. Like, <laughs> okay. So anyway, as I was like, kept doing, looking at my phone, like constantly looking at my phone <laughs> every five seconds. And I got a message from my friend, Come down now, run. And it was 5% on my phone. (gasps) Literally pushed myself past all these gay boys. I grabbed one of them on the hand and said, just cross your fingers. He goes, why? I said, just cross your fingers. As I ran through. (laughs) And are you with full, full breastplate? Full breastplate, hair, just running like an absolute (laughs) lunatic. Anyway, we got to the, the, the downstairs section and Guy and Sarah were there. And Sarah sort of came over and said, oh, look, um, you know, if you were the last one in the world, you'll probably get on the DVD, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to make it my own. You know, I'm just going to have fun and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. She goes, well, you know that that 17-year-old with her boobs, you know, we're just a bit worried about your boobs. And I said, you know I'm 40. She goes, yeah, I know you're definitely for <laughs> And a silicone. <laughs> and they are not real yet. Anyway, um, then then sort of they looked around. I think they were looking for a better option. And they came back and they said, Maxi, you're it. Make it count. And I literally was went into work mode. And wow. sort of a lot of all my friends were up in the in this sort of in the stadium. 
And they were like, oh my God, when we saw you walking, we were like screaming and blah, blah, blah. Mm. As I was sort of walking along, there was a guy that was working sort of stagehand. And I was like trying to pull the energy into my soul to try and, you know, you know, when they try and push the energy down so that you're not having an absolute heart attack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And the guy was like, Okay, what you're going to do is you're going to go across. When they say go, then you go through and then you go up. I said, okay, oh, my God, it's so exciting. Hold on, I'll tell you again. What you're going to do is you... <laughs> I was like, oh, he's he's done this to so many other Yeah, people. just let me have my moment. <laughs> and it was literally go. And it was go. And what I took out of the whole experience was that as I was talking to her, you know, she was sweaty. She'd just done a two-hour mm-hmm. show. Her eyelashes were a bit clumped together a bit. And there was such negative press because she wasn't doing press because she was like, you know, this is my last concert. And then the concert, the whole tour was finished, so I don't need to do press. Mm-hmm. Um, is that she didn't give a rat's ass about anything except putting on a great show. Mm-hmm. And as a performer, you're like, actually, you know what? She's given 110%. She hasn't listened to any person that's been an arsehole or said, you know what, you know, you, you're doing this wrong, you need to change this. She knew, she's stuck to where she was going and she's delivered and she was absolutely incredible. And then, so this this goes on. Sorry, boys. No, no, no. no. I'm hanging, hanging on, on every, every word. Every word, Maxie. In, was it, when was, when was Girly Show? Was it 93? Yes. So yeah. in 1993, yeah. I had finished school in 92 so I was living in Wollongong, I think. <gasps> Shout out to Wollongong. My boyfriend's from Wollongong. Oh, it was, it was Wollongong's beautiful, actually. Yeah, look, compared to my hometown, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I had this girl at school, Rebecca Parsons, who was a mad Madonna fan as well. Beautiful, frizzy red hair, freckles everywhere. And she's like, there's a Madonna concert. Should we go? And I was like, of course we're going to go. Of course. So we went down to, I think it was Nowra Mall, and we slept out, out the front for two days at Ticketek to get tickets to Blonde Ambition, oh, not Blonde Ambition, to Girly Show, which were great tickets, and we went together, and it was amazing and fantastic. So anyway, fast forward to Rebel Heart, and, you know, you, you finish Madonna does holiday and you're walked through the back section and then you're taken outside and as I was taken outside and you know basically run free into the the crowd Rebecca Parsons walks out who I haven't seen since 1993 oh my god oh my god Chris and I was like oh my god Rebecca and she's like did that just happen and I was like is this just happening? <laughs> she was like, "Oh, oh my god, that was- is divine!" Into some something was going on. Isn't that, that just fantastic? That's like, wild. We were like hugging, and we we're like, "Just oh my god, that's fucking crazy! This is crazy! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Um, yeah, and that was just. And then we literally, because they went over for so long, <laughs> I think I ended up getting home at four thirty a.m. because it was wow. raining. Yeah have you mm. and you know i sort of floated into the house and it had been mm. raining and the dogs had weed absolutely everywhere mm. <laughs> so i was in this great big high on the mop you know 
<laughs> Tell you what, they ground you pretty quickly, don't they? Oh. They brought you back down to earth. And did oh you say to your partner, Maxine. you should have bloody come? No, I said to him, um, she got me on stage and she, he said, who? <laughs> Thank God we had a flatmate that had been to the concert the night before. So I was like bang on Ian's door, like, wake up, wake up. I've got it. He was like, oh, my God, can I touch the banana? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe that story about seeing Rebecca, um, like, the last time. If if anyone had just tapped you on the shoulder at the Girly Show in 1993 and said, in 23 years' time, she's going to make you wait for it, but she'll be back. And there's somehow you two will be involved at the very last date of the tour. That is just absolutely insane. Oh my gosh, what an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was so, and it made it so much more special that, that Rebecca was there. And and she was, she yeah. she noted it in that, oh my God, did that just happen? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. She will have, she would have been screaming when she saw you up yeah. there. Yeah. She would have been tapping people on the in the crowd and being like, uh, like, Trying to articulate that story while you were on stage. Trying to tell them about Nara Ticketek. There was also, because I went to school with a dancer named Michael Boyd. And, you know, he was was much younger than I was. And uh, Madonna said, um, so where are you from? And I said, Sydney. And Michael yelled from the crowd, Nara. Shout out to Nara. I didn't re- I did not come into this podcast recording thinking that Nara was going to end up being the unapologetic bitch of oral <laughs> fixation tonight. That was, you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. Have to go uh, Maxi, to there is um isn't there um there's a bit of a scandal around your connection with Nara though, isn't there? Because I remember when you did the Ballina prawn that people on the internet were like, "You're not from Ballina, you're from Nara." What is the t- so where are you from? Well, see, this comes back with my gypsy, my gypsy heritage. Uh, I was born in Ballina and then uh, then we moved uh, to central Queensland, to Claremont. Right. And then in 1988, we moved down to Nowra because we we lived on sort of like a property-esque in Claremont and sort of the drought had hit and my father had worked at Glerath or Coal Mine. So... He ended up, it's like the work was drying up there, so to speak. And we moved mm-hmm. down to Nowra. So I went to high school in Nowra. So I've been to right. numerous different places and the internet, especially drag race fans, don't understand that you can live in more than one place mm. and actually grow up in more than one place. Um, and and more inspiration coming from Ballina than perhaps Nowra. Maybe. Aura's got a jail. So yeah. mm. <laughs> you could have taken it a completely other direction, but you went prawn and we celebrate you for that night. <laughs> well, they've got the black cockadoo down in Nowra, but I couldn't. You also have to remember that I'm taking feathers to, to New Zealand. Right. So, you know, treated feathers are okay, but it's also another stress. Of course. So, you and know, that... I went to the prawn because. It was made out of organza. 
Absolutely. And that is just the most um, natural link into, well, from the Queen of Pop to the Queen of Drag. Um, you know, you, I don't think that many other Drag Race franchise contestants can say they, well, look, anyone who recorded from 2020 to now has had an unusual experience. You know, there was the UK season two girls who had to stop halfway through the season. Um, obviously, everything going in the US, but you all had to fly to another country and record a season of a show which was brand new. The Drag Race Down Under franchise was brand new. Um, in, I can't imagine, you know, all these insane lockdown protocols. What, when did you get the call for that? What was it like? What was going through your head when you were like, am I actually going to be going to New Zealand in January to record Drag Race Down Under? Well, it was very, it was uh, my first audition, I think, was October. So we were approached uh, on Instagram mm -hmm. and because there were right. so many hurdles, they actually approached the cast rather than have open auditions. Yes. Because we had to, you know, you had to get approved, like there's visas because we had to go to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, and then up until the last minute, you we didn't know that we had to actually get approval from Australia, from the government to leave. Of course. So, you know... All that sort of craziness, as well as having COVID, like the COVID mm. had hit everywhere. So coming up with, you know, we had to take like close mm. to 20 looks. How many suitcases is that? Well, we were restricted to, I think it was a hundred, it was five suitcases. Right. Because you always see, you always see the queens leave dragging one little suitcase and it's like, <laughs> I don't, I just don't believe you. <laughs> well, as well as the, the American queens, a lot of them are like would be local. Yeah, so they could course, come in yeah. with, mm -hmm. you know, wigs on blocks and what have you. But we had mm -hmm. to have, you know, five suitcases. That was it. It was, they were actually weighed when we, wow. um, we got to the hotel. Yeah. Um, as well as we, we had to do two, two weeks quarantine. So the New mm -hmm. Zealand girls didn't have to do that. That's true. So you're already sort of, you would have been going into that workroom just so kind of devoid of any sensory um, stimulus. And then it's all going on. Whereas the New Zealand Queens, I guess, had had that slight edge. Yeah. yeah so we had, well, we had two weeks quarantine in the quarantine hotel. And then we went to the cast hotel and uh, filming had been pushed back by five days. Mm-hmm. So and did you know? Did you know any of the other queens? I knew the New South Wales queens because we travelled right. together. Right. Um, okay. Yes. But yeah, so we had filming was pushed back by another five days. So we were essentially in isolation for nineteen days. Mm. And that's because like Raven couldn't arrive in time or something. I don't know or? what was going on there, but um, <laughs> yeah. So so just before that though, our permission to leave Australia. Um, mine didn't come through till 8.30 on the Friday night before we left. Oh. Etcetera's didn't come through till the day she was at the airport. She had to get it approved. That's at too much. Wild. That's too stressful. Oh, that cockroach will survive anything. And then on top of that, <laughs> see, this is this is a build-up. It was like at times I was just on the lounge and my partner's like, are you okay? I said, I, I've got no more hair to lose. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So then we also had to try and um, ship boxes. So we could only fly three suitcases with us. Right. And we couldn't fly that. five suitcases. Oh so we had God. to ship two boxes. But then they sent us the wrong dimensions. 
So I got the dimensions and then we turned up at the post office and I'm like, actually, they're too big. No, 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 they're too big. And you're like, sorry, do you realise that I'm about to be on a international platform for something that none of us thought was going to happen? RuPaul is coming to Down Under, New Zealand Down Under. Like, just figure out the dimensions, please. And the whole time <laughs> I kept going like this. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we got there and then it was quite funny because the, the, the 14 days and then the extra five days. So then the New Zealand girls before filming started, they were actually locked in at like 24 hours beforehand. So then we started to, to film and at one point, you know, because you're not allowed to talk quite a bit at, on Drag Race unless the, the cameras are rolling because they sort of want to capture well, you. Well, they tell you off. You're on ice. Oh, you're on ice. Yeah, because it's a TV. It's a TV show. Like yeah. it, you yeah. want to see it on TV, yeah. and the New Zealand girls were like, "Oh, the hotel's quite nice, isn't it?" And we were like, "Are you fucking joking? <laughs> 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 we've been we've been here for five days. You don't even start." <laughs> <laughs> well, Maxie, I that takes us to um, uh, a point in the conversation where. We we love you. I don't want this to be a sort of, you know, too much of a blowing smoke up your ass uh, exercise. But I think that Andy and I do just want to shout out a few moments where we, where you just absolutely shone. And it's interesting. I've only just remembered now. So Andy and I, more and more um, frequently recently, Andy and I have guests on the podcast. But sometimes we'll just record an episode where we discuss an album, just the two of us. And, um... At the end of our last cycle, um, cycle six, um, we recorded um, an episode on an album um, by an American artist called Colella. Um, the 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 night that we'd watched the first episode of um, Drag Race Down Under, and I believe at in the episode we sort of chat about it and we ask each other who our um, our sort of our tips for the crown are, and I. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andy. I believe that we said Karen from Finance, Coco Jumbo, and Maxi Shield. <laughs> I'm sorry. I believe. But to shout out some of your iconic moments, I'll start. I think that your design challenge was, in my opinion, that was the winner. What Robbed you did, it. what you did with that, um, with that look, was so kind of um, fashion forward and exciting and I think that you schooled those some of those younger queens and that was a real real big um, moment for me I also loved um, your mini challenge win where you just nailed every single f- uh, f- fauna Australian fauna ever ever <laughs> reported but we have to discuss the microphone sleeve slip that shook the nation the shuck no the, the shuck the planet of of, <laughs> of the planet the, there, the there were people in the u.s who were like why hasn't a drag queen ever done this before on drag right. race ever like but why were we only just seeing it the the, the merging of two australian icon uh, iconic sort of pieces of culture picnic at hanging rock and vanessa amorosi coming together talk us through what um how how you were feeling during that like in the build up to that lipstick during it and and your kind of your thought process behind the the microphone well i i was actually i'm second in the world 
So I'm the first one to have RuPaul and Michelle in the judging panel. But uh, second season of Thailand, one of the girls actually. Oh. So that's where my uh, Tora Hyman and Vanity Fair and myself always carry a microphone in our handbag when we're out. Because I know this about vanity. It's <laughs> <laughs> in Bali. They always use microphones, and I just I love those girls so much. They're just I just think mm. they're just so fabulous. You know, I can sit in the club, and I hate going out most of the time because I don't drink, I don't smoke, but I can sit and watch them so many like for hours. And I thought, you know what? It's never been done. I'd like to do a little nod to my Bali sisters. Um, but the funny thing was when we did um, Bogan Prom, so I think mm. that was the singing challenge. And I was a bit worried because I was like, you know what, I, I can't sing. I don't, I'm not a singer. And I think I said to Michelle, if I could write a song and sing a song, then I'd be on Australian Idol, not <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> anyway, um, I'd actually put the microphone in my huge bum bag. And Karen had come over to me and she said to me, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, look, if I go up against Electra, she's absolutely incredible. I said, but if I go up against Coco, she's my sister. I don't know what to do. Mm. You know, but I've got a bit of a secret weapon. And I sort of, you know, pulled it out of my, in which she was hysterical rolling around on the ground. <laughs> she's like, just save it. Just save it. Don't show anyone. Mm. Just save it. So when it got down to, I thought, it was the, um, the the yeast challenge. And I I, I knew that I'd stuffed it up. Um, where, where I went into filming that was that I was the last one to have an opportunity to sell my yeast spread. Um, but everyone had gone over. Which I bet is a sentence you never thought you'd say. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said it too many times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so when it got to my turn... It was close to five hours. I was sitting in the workroom in drag, freezing cold because it's always cold there, and I, I hadn't spoken a word because, you know, no one was allowed to talk because they were about to film and it was like right next door. So I was sort of basically sitting there for close to five hours and hadn't spoken a word. You're so when they joking. Said, Do it. And Michelle was like, don't get in your head. And I was like, I'm not in my head. My brain's so scrambled. Yeah. I've got scrambled brains. Like, come on. So I sort of knew that I was going to be in the bottom and I'd prepared and I thought, you know what, if I'm up against et cetera, she's 22, she's amazing, I'm just going to have to bring out something and mm. sell it. And that's why the microphone, which was sort of tucked into my skirt, and if you rewatch the episode, you sort of can see the outline a little bit. And I'd said to, because when you, when you do your lip sync for your life she says um you know get ready blah 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 and then it stopped and then they take your microphones off you <laughs> and i sort of said to the sound girl this amazing lesbian i was like i've got this here but i don't want anyone to see it and she's like don't worry girl i could look after you don't worry amazing. And she took off my microphone which that dress was basically having to get nude and she's like, don't worry. And not one person saw it. That's one microphone she didn't take off you. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, so she, she, it was like, I was like, great. No one's seen it. Whip it out and just perform my guts out as much as mm. I could. 
And I Incredible. must say that was that was a really um, you know I, I I live in Erskineville, Andy used to live in Redfern, et cetera, et cetera. Is um, the sort of one one of the um, the Imperial in in Erskineville is one is, is her home venue and um, and Andy and I have seen her there a lot. Um, and also, you know, being a Sydney queen as well, we had have a huge affinity for you and it was really sort of bittersweet seeing the two of you perform together because it meant that one of you was going to have to go home but I think that it was one of those really really lovely moments in Drag Race where the two queens performing against each other had a real reverence for one another and I believe etc said that it was an honour to to leave at um uh with with you having won and that was um that was I was really really proud to um to to call Sydney home and to um to in 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 whatever way I am entitled to own a little bit of the the Sydney drag scene um to myself um in that moment because it um it it, it was yeah it was just a really really amazing performance and um a very kind of respectful exit for etc and it and it also if you look over at like you when you're doing that it's Straight away, you know, I'm always thinking, what are the, what's mine going to look like on camera? Am I shitting yeah. myself too much? You know, blah, blah, blah. But once they say, don't fuck it up and the music starts, you know, I got a glimpse of et cetera a few times and both of us were having just so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it was great to show, you know, she is 22, I'm 47, the two different sides of drag. Mm. But we were sp- both you know, performing our guts out and loving it. Yes. And there was something also very Australian about it as well, which, you know, kind of Drew touched on this, but um, the way I can actually see you in my mind's eye now, like holding the microphone out with your picnic at Hanging Rock, like wig and your dress on and watching it was just so, you know, I've seen that performance never to that quality or level, but I know that drag from Oxford Street and, uh, you know, um, the Stonewall and um, just as we love to see those glimpses of truly American drag on Drag Race and I love it seeing that really uniquely UK drag on the UK like it was just so Australian to see it was like the best of Australian drag it was wonderful and, and I have to say you know I was eliminated to Better the Devil you know the Kylie song oh but but you know, I've always loved Vanessa Amorossi as well. You know, I was yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be a part of the drag Priscilla part of um, the uh, closing ceremony of the Olympics. Did wow. I didn't know that, Max. So, you know, I got to I got to hear her sing that song when it was out, you know, it was And she was like 18, right? She was so young. So young. And if anyone's listening, listen to the um, her version. She does Heroes. It's not the Mariah Carey. It's it's an original one, but she like she sings. She's got some pipes on her. That girl. Oh, you like? How can that go up anymore? And she's yeah. going up and up and up. And you're just like, wowie. So that so to showcase Vanessa Amorossi to the world was also amazing. Yeah, what an honor. What else part from Carly? We've got other singers. I would say, I would say though the um, as a uh, you know fr- as as we said Andy and I both from the UK and UK Drag Race you know in its choices for lip sync songs really kind of strikes a balance well in that kind of songs that you would know but songs that you might not necessarily know that are just so purely kind of UK 
at the beginning of Drag Race Down Under, it, it sort of it took a while to to heat up. I think even the in the second episode, it's just a RuPaul song. Um, yeah. But Vanessa Amorossi was the moment for me where um, something clicked, and I was like, "This is the Australian lip sync song that I've been waiting to to hear." Um, and yeah, it was just such an incredible lip sync. And it was as well, you know, production and and what have you. There's a lot of hoops. There's 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 a lot of course, of, yeah. There's a there's a lot of hoops. Like there was songs that we were like, like even the um the first song, which was oh, oh was it um tragedy by the Bee Gees? Yeah. Tragedy by the Bee Gees. I was like, oh, like. Like we were like Aussie and New Zealand queens don't usually do male vocals, mm-hmm. so we were like, no. oh, this is a bit strange. This is a bit strange. So you know, but it's you hey, know what, hey, amazing. Hey. It was we're so glad that Aussie drag was was showcased and New Zealand mm, absolutely. drag absolutely. Um, mm. And I'm I'm so happy that Kidder won. Um, it was you know I tried to I tried to be the kind queen. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as kind as I can and going into Down Under, you know, I was like, I can't wait to meet the girls. You know, I knew Kidder and Anita, mm-hmm. but I didn't know uh, Electra. But there was still even with me trying to be open that anyone could take this title of mm-hmm. I went into it thinking, you know, the Aussies have got this. The Aussies have got this. Mm-hmm. And it was I was so happy that, that Kitter won it in that, you know, oh, shit, hold on. <laughs> We're not the absolute best. We've got room to move. Um, mm. And there is always someone else, you know, sitting in the wings that are absolutely incredible and may snatch the crown when you're not watching. So it's a healthy reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. To um, to not uh, rest on your laurels. Um, uh, Maxie, you've mentioned a name um, and um, I do need to private further on this. I'm actually a not so secret um, massive fan of your friend Vanity Fair. I am a Wigs by Vanity stan. <laughs> I um, We've actually approached her to come on the pod and she did actually say, yes, yeah, she wanted to come on and do Mariah. But then her podcast with Courtney launched like a month later. And I think we followed up and she was like, I'm just too busy at the minute. So catch her when she's got a lull and she's coming on to do Mariah. We heard it here first, but... Um, Every time I see her, I'm just like, oh my God, Vanity, I love you so much. Can I borrow your lighter for a cigarette? And she just rolls her eyes at me and lights my cigarette. It's iconic. <laughs> um, but um, I really hope that there's a second season. I hope there's a second season where things aren't limited so weirdly by COVID or, you know, weird restrictions. Or And I just hope that the season is given, you know, it's given a good chance to stretch its legs and um, take a big deep breath and show some more talent because there's so many incredible drag queens still and who knows so what many. the future might hold for you. All stars. It, it's been sort of, especially the, I know the the Aussie queens because the New Zealand queens haven't really been in lockdown. Mm. You know, only recently mm. they've started sort of had a few lockdowns. Um, so they've been able to work, but a lot of the the Aussie queens haven't been able to work. And, you know, Dragfest UK happened and, mm. you know, we, we love social media, we really do, but when it's rubbing in our face, all those gigs yeah. have been cancelled, we are like, yeah, good on you, bagger. <laughs> it looks like lots of... <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. But the tables have truly turned because we really did funny? have our moment earlier in the year with Mardi Gras and all of that. And, you know, that hopefully the tables... Well, we don't want the tables to turn again. We just want everyone to open up. We want everyone to be able... We want absolutely everybody. Yeah, there was a chat. We absolutely everybody needs to get vaccinated. Yes. Um, it feels like we really nailed chapter one. And it feels like our sort of American and um, and UK counterparts are sort of nailing chapter two. But I hope that there's a chapter three where all of us can um, just go back to normal. Because it's I think that you make an incredible, um, incredibly important point, Maxine, that like, you know, for, for queens that um, are in areas where lockdown is just sort of somewhat quite ruthlessly um, uh, put in place there are very limited options to 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 work and to be seen and to not only share your art but literally make money and um yeah i just really really hope that things uh take take a turn for the better at some point soon it's going to be soon yeah positive thing speaking of work speaking of work and speaking of um when we weren't in lockdown i do need to tell you something maxi that um yes. drew and i have actually um seen you in per- i mean we've seen you perform that's not a shock really we live in sydney but we've actually seen you on one specific time which i need to tell you about so it was actually um after we'd when we we're in sydney we usually record at studio on william street in uh, Wollamaloo, and um Drew and I had finished recording and we decided to walk up to the King's Cross Hotel to... No, we actually didn't. We decided to walk up to King's Cross just to get some food. We were starving. Um, And we... And and Drag Race Down Under had started airing. I think it was maybe on episode two or three. And we walked past the King's Cross Hotel and you were inside doing like bingo or something. Do you do drag bingo there? I think it was trivia. Trivia. It was trivia. Trivia. And Drew and I looked at each other and we were like, that's Maxi Shield in there. What should we do? Shall we go in? And we walked in and you turned around, you had microphone in hand, you're literally working, you're trying to run a trivia <laughs> show for people who are watching you. And Drew and I. No, well, no. Well, first of all, we just went, we love you, Maxi. Because <laughs> you were just banging the door. Yeah. And, and I was, I don't need the corner. Yeah, and you were like, okay, but like I'm, I'm literally like in the middle of a question, so I, I need to either come in and do the trivia or, you know, I don't know what you want from me. And we were so hungry, we were like, oh my god, we want to do the trivia, but we have to literally eat. Um, so it was we want a- Maxi, but we want a kebab more. You know, <laughs> yeah. So and you, yeah. surely you understand that. I vaguely remember because I think you just came in the door and yelled and then ran off. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> and, and I was very excited because I just bought an iPad. You know, still waiting for the RuPaul money to turn up. But I was telling everyone that the RuPaul. <laughs> And I kept saying, I'm not telling you that I won or I didn't, but I've just bought an iPad. (laughs) 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 So I think it was one of the first days that I was using an iPad for trivia. So I was real stuck up bitch <laughs> well that was our moment and i'm sure we'll meet again um when this is all over and um, we won't just shout at you and run away we'll have a drink together at the king's cross hotel sparkling water and we'll get you yeah we'll get you a sparkling water and we'll we'll shoot the shit now boys and girls and everything in between um i am mindful that we're, we're clocking in at um past an hour here and we do need to bring it back to the undisputable queen of pop 
Do you have any more questions about Madonna? Specifically, I guess, about the Immaculate Collection. Are there any any more sort of thoughts or feelings that you want to share? Um, okay, well, um, the Immaculate Collection has sold over 30 million copies worldwide, making it Madonna's bestseller and one of the world's best-selling albums of all time. I think we touched on that. Maxi, you mentioned wow. that it was released in November 1990, which is my birth month, which means that the Immaculate Collection is a Scorpio. Um, you were right, Drew, <laughs> in that Justify My Love foreshadowed erotica and Rescue Me was also that really cool kind of like 90s dance hinting of what was going on there. Rescue Me was actually used... Shout out to Lenny Kravitz writing Justify Sorry? My Love, right? Shout out to Lenny Kravitz. Um, shout out to on the um, Madam X tour, which was her most recent tour before COVID. Um, Madonna actually rehearsed Rescue Me for the first time ever. She'd never performed it live before. And she posted, this was quite cruel of Madam X really. She posted a video of her rehearsing it with a choir and then chose not to put it in the final set list. So it actually wasn't performed. It was used as an interlude, but sadly not performed. Um, it was executively produced by Shep Pettibone, which is a great name yes. to say. Mm, and say um, he had been it. working he'd been working with Madonna before and after that. Um, and it was unusually put through this treatment called Q sound, which made it sound three-dimensional on a standard stereo. So that was the um, the final hot tea I had, other than I've, I've said this album name, you know when you say a word so much and you read it so much that you kind of lose meaning and it just becomes this abstract word in your mind. The, that the title Immaculate Collection for the greatest hits by a pop star who was born and called Madonna could not be any more perfect. It is utter perfection in naming conventions and I have nothing more to say. Well, and, and consider this episode called the Immaculate <laughs> Should I, before we go, I should really say, I've got one more Madonna song. Go on, oh please, go on Maxi. One more Madonna story, I should say. Yes. In 1992, Ooh. I actually, uh, I finished high school, year 12. And uh, down in Nowra, Nowra High School, uh, they do a year 12 concert. And always one of the guys would dress up in drag and do a number. And I'd actually just seen a, well, dare I say, a, a dreadful video of Blonde Ambition. And I'd seen <laughs> like a virgin masturbation scene. Touched for the very first time. So I said, sure, I'll do it. So I made Sounds appropriate. <laughs> out of orange cardboard. I borrowed Prue Gibson's swimsuit. Shout out to Prue Gibson. I wore a, a, a blonde wig that we got from, I don't know, the $2 shop or something. And I did like a, like a virgin for the year 12 concert down in Nowra, which they still talk about. Honestly. <gasps> The queer history of Naura uh, continues to reveal itself the more that I hear about it. Naura is queer. Would you do, Maxi, would you host like a Naura Pride, Naura Mardi Gras, or is it just a bit too close to Sydney to have its own? That'd be great fun. I'd like to actually do something with Nana Miss Curry. I, yes, we you know, would the girls love come that. Home or something. We would love that. Would that. Be great fun, the girls so. come home, yes. And, you know, next um, year is my 30th high school reunion. So maybe maybe wow. that's a great opportunity. Maxie, maybe you and um, 
Nana Miss Curry can perform in the car park of the Kmart to really go home. Yes. And there'll be toys, there'll be auto, there'll be... <laughs> yeah, and then they'll, 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 they'll show us the videos of us nicking lollies from the confection. <laughs> that, yeah, you deal. actually owe us about 45 bucks. With so 35 years of the patient. <laughs> Boys, I actually have a one last question for the two of you. If you could pick only one, only one song from the Immaculate Collection to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be? I'll start. Open your heart. Oh, that's very good. I do love that one song. song. But my go-to at the moment is Like a Prayer. I performed mm-hmm. that in uh, Manila. Not in Manila. Uh, <gasps> yeah, in Manila. Um, wow, to 5,000. Uh, people on a Tuesday night with wow. the Fashion Valor tour, and it was <gasps> it was it was gospel. It was like even just thinking that <gasps> it makes me go goosebumps. Do you know what, Maxie? Wow. I um I always thought that because I've grown up with like a like a prayer, and it's just sort of always been in my ether. It was just this sort of like radio song that didn't sort of you know profoundly affect me in, 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 in much of a way. And in 2019, I went to Splendour in the Grass uh, for work. And the on the last night, there was this like secret party that happened. And we went um, and there, it was this kind of weird, you know, like that scene in, in the Titanic where they all go under underground and they kind of like are doing all this Irish dancing. It was like that, but it's Splendour. All these people were like, on the rafters of this like weird kind of cabin and everyone was just going really kind of wild. And Like a Prayer played. And I had this religious experience where I was like, this is actually such an incredible, euphoric, all encompassing song. And it's been in my atmosphere my entire life and it's only now clicking to me that it's just so perfect. so I used to kind of really, to my own detriment, dismiss like a prayer, but now I've just got so much, so much time for it. I mean, yeah, and that was really sold at the Rebel Heart, Andy. It was, when, did she do the concert? Uh, did she do like a prayer? She did like a prayer. Yeah. It was, it was a religious experience. You could feel the sound. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Mm. And actually just speaking of the Philippines though, um, there's an incredible video on YouTube you may have already seen it where when she was in Manila, she just saw Manila Girl, um, she performed Crazy For You um, in that segment where she would do like a prayer. And um, there's something, there must be something about the Filipino people's relationship with that song. Maybe it like soundtrack to time and a place or something because every single person in that arena is singing every word of Crazy For You. And she mentioned, she's like, I'm singing this song specifically for you in Manila tonight. And the, the roar is insane. So highly recommend listening to that and watching it. I remember you sending me that YouTube clip, Andy, and saying, just wait for like the first note to be played and then hear the roar. And it, it's so it's it is it's spine tingling. It's I have to say that the, the Filipino crowds are because a lot of the Asian crowds I've performed at quite a few like Singapore. Um, where else have I performed? I can't even remember now. But at quite a few <laughs> to uh, quite a few Asian crowds, and they're very polite. So they they clap, you know, at the end. You know, there's not mm. much interaction. But the Filipino crowds are just 
They're mental. Wild. They, Raucous. Yeah. They get into it. They are just so... When I was there with uh, Sasha, Sasha walked past, went out the back with me, and she was like, is this is this wild? Is this, is this just me? I was like, no, this is mm. really wild. <laughs> like, they were... In- um, Maxie, thank you so much for your time. I've said this before, but I'll say it eternally. Thank you so much for giving us an hour and a bit of your precious time, and it's been such a delight to talk to you about... Mine and Drew's literal favourite things, which are Madonna, Drag Race, and Maxi Shield. So thank you so much. The trifecta um, has been complete tonight. The holy trifecta of titties. Um, yeah. So where can people find you on social media? And what are you? Um, I'm Maxi Shield on uh, Instagram is probably the easiest. Um, and on Friday nights, uh, my Drag Race sister. Coco Jumbo and I, uh, from 6pm, we do like a little Instagram live. And I've clocked your Coco Jumbo hoodie that you're wearing. Yes, it's my Coco mm. Jumbo hoodie. This is <laughs> comfortable. Um, we, do, we do something called the fannies. So, you mm-hmm. know, we're the fannies because we've got big bums. Um, <laughs> and we just sort of chat to, we chat to people. We really, one thing that we love about drag is, you know, the performance and all that sort of stuff. But there's that sitting around in a dressing room, your feet are sore, mm. the makeup shit, your hair's crap, you know, but that that dressing room chats is what we yeah. sort of bring to life on Instagram Live on Friday. So you can find us there. It's lots of fun. And Coco's a crazy bitch too. So And we'd we would love I'm I'm manifesting this into existence. We would love to have Coco on the pod. <laughs> we'd love to have Nana Miss Corey actually. I would love to Corey. interview yeah, Nanamis Corey. Nana. Yeah. Do it. They, they, we were in lockdown. They've got plenty of time, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, I was going to say, Maxi, yeah, to echo Andy's, um, Andy's words, it has been such an absolute honour to have you on the podcast. You are our first Rue girl, Woo! our first unapologetic bitch, certainly not our last. Um, and I hope that... You can come back and now we've done the Immaculate Collection. Next time we want you back to discuss GHV2. And then <laughs> yeah. we'll go on to do Celebration. celebration. And then, yeah. I, I don't know if you told me about this, Andy, or if this is something that I just made up in my, my mind, but I feel like there is there was like a rumour going around that Madonna's fourth greatest hits album was going to be called Iconography. That was a fan suggestion. There was this amazing fan a few years ago who was this incredible graphic designer and he put together this package and he called it Iconography, which is up there with the Immaculate Collection. Well, yeah, and it looks so it, beautiful an and then and Celebration she does came iconography. out. Thank you. I don't yes. know. I'm still waiting for the, the concert to be released on Paramount. That's the only reason I bloody yes. got it. <laughs> yes. Supposedly it's out soonish, isn't it? But Let's yes. cross our fingers October, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, wonderful. Well, listeners, you've made it this far. I hope you've had a fantastic time because we have too. And um, we would love you to go straight to your podcast app that you're listening to us right now in and subscribe, like. That is the most important thing that you can do to help us find more listeners. 
Um, if you like to go old school, we actually randomly have an email address. It's oralfixationpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of old school, we also have a website. Who has websites anymore? We do. Oralfixationpodcast.com. Drew, where are we on socials? On socials, we are at Oral Fixation Podcast on Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, you can. I'm at With All Drew Respect. If you'd like to follow Andy, you can. He's at Andrew, do you think you are? And Maxie, if you don't follow us already, that's fine, but you can after this evening. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Oral Fix Pod, which is queer. And you can also find us on Facebook, but, you know only do that if you're like a really die hard fan <laughs> just do it <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so Maxie, much Maxie. Andy thank you you have made you, you've made my 10th week of lockdown infinitely more bearable <laughs> and Maxie I cannot wait for us to see you on stage again we're gonna we are gonna be if 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 you'll have us, we will be your unapologetic bitches brought up on stage. Um, <laughs> and and when we come off stage, I'll bump into my Rebecca, and I'll say to her, "Is this real? Get me a drink." <laughs> I'll say, "Get me a drink, Rebecca." Thank you so much, Maxie. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Maxie. Bye. Bye. Bye.